Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello. Are you tuned in? Or did we tune you in? Welcome to the Gifted After Show. There may be three of me, but I hope there's a lot more of you, because we're going to use you. I am a Stepford Lemieux, and I'm going cuckoo. Guys, oh my god! Mother of god, this wasn't even the finale! We have three more hours of this show! Let's go! destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Yes! Oh my god, that is the sweet sound of X-Men theme song, because we're talking The Gifted Season 1, Episode 10, Exploited. We have a special guest here today with us on the after show, but before we get into that, uh, I want to introduce the panel... Uh, of course, I'm Stephen Lemieux. You can find me on Twitter at Stephen Lemieux, S-T-P-H-N-L-E-M-I-U-X. Make sure it's a capital X of if you're course. following from The Gifted. Uh, <laughs> joining me today, of course, as always, is Stephanie Sabra. What's up, everyone? I'm Steph Sabra. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Steph Sabra. The amazing, wearing his, repping his Star Wars, these were the droids we're looking for. <laughs> Those were the droids we're looking for. Uh, sure, if you haven't seen Star Wars, go ahead and see it. Uh, Rick Definitely. Hong. Uh, I am not the last Jedi, but you guys can find me on all social media <laughs> at Rick Hong, R-I-C-K-H-O-N-G. God, I actually thought you were. You just spoiled it for me. <laughs> I, it's like as soon as I saw The Force Awakens, Oops. I was like, it's Rick Hong. Uh, and joining us today, we have a very special guest from being a post producer on episodes one through seven of The Gifted. This is our first time having somebody from behind the scenes on the show who watches the show, which is so awesome. So we can definitely geek out about this. We have Andrew Chollerton. Yes. Thank you for Thanks being for here me. today. Thanks for having me. Um, so you worked on episodes one through seven. Yep. But you are completely up to date on the show. Yes. Yeah. I've been watching. I mean, uh, I think everyone who works on this show is a fan as well. Oh, so it's very, that. very That's easy right. to <laughs> geek out at work too. Is there any moment like so, right off the bat? Because we'll get into like a full interview later. But like right off the bat, I just want to know: Can you name any moment from working on the show that you're just like that is a highlight? Uh, geez, there's way too many. Uh, there's, they're all, they're all like minor, minor things and they're all over the place. But I guess working with the actors, we do like ADR and pull them into the trailer, uh, or into the booth and record them like, and make it sound really cool. And on the, the pilot, um, we were recording with, uh, um, Polaris, Emma, and, uh, and she, uh, we were trying to make sure when, in the pilot, when we, when she's on the ground being pushed in by the police, and screaming out for Marcos, we were getting all that and making it really cool. And we just had her on the, the floor, the couch of the ADR booth, like screaming. <laughs> and I was like, "This is awesome! <laughs> this is gonna be really cool." That's that's when you take an Instagram video. <laughs> yeah. and you're like, this is a promotional. But uh, that's so cool. We're gonna get into a little bit more of those stories. But I'm really excited to talk this. Uh, I'm gonna make a statement here, and you guys can either agree or disagree. Just show of hands. I disagree. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was the best episode of The Gifted so far. Yeah. I agree. I don't, I don't, I really, I feel like the past three episodes have been really good. Like, I've been on a solid, cl- like, 
I've hit the peak of this show, I think. I don't know. The That's last a terrible week... thing to say when there's three episodes. <laughs> Sorry, left. not the peak, but I've hit, I feel like everything, every episode of this season has been great to me. I love the show, but especially the past three episodes in particular are really good, so it's hard for me to pick. That's all I'm saying. See, for me, I'd have to say that if it wasn't episode five, maybe it is this episode because both episodes are written by, written by uh, Jim Campolongo. <laughs> Congrats, hey. Jim. So, you know, I got, I got to agree. I got to say this this one's my favorite. <laughs> I am happy to hear that you guys thought it was your favorite because I saw some people, I saw a few reviews saying it wasn't their favorite. And I was like, did I, am I being too nice about this? I love this episode. So that makes me. Well, I mean, I, I've, I looked at a few of the different reviews. I saw entertainment weekly. I saw like, I don't know why I can't remember. Yeah. Like I looked at a bunch of them. Some of them are mixed, but overwhelmingly it's, it's still positive. Mm -hmm. Like you look at a lot of the other shows that are based on a comic canon and it's so all over the place because everyone's comparing it to this, comparing it to that or saying they're not giving justice to these characters. And I don't think anyone's had those feelings about really any of the characters in the show. I mean, I know that I've seen a little bit with Eclipse being like, oh, he should be more powerful. But aside from that, I think they've been doing the characters, the stories, and the way they've made it similar but different so spot on. And just the way that, you know, for the longest time, because we'll, we'll get into like the specifics of the episode soon, but for the longest time we've been wondering... All right, we get a dash of Hellfire Club reference here. We get a dash of Wolverine reference there. Uh, here's John's father was in the X-Men. So we get a dash of like, okay, he's related to the X-Men. So we get so many of these references of these different groups, but we don't necessarily have, we haven't had, aside from Sentinel Services, these are bad mutants. Mm -hmm. We haven't had the bad mutants yet. We've had the Hounds, but that's so different. They're not acting on their own volition. So. right. We finally, in Esme, we're introduced to this character that we like. Suddenly, we're kind of like, what is she doing? And then we're like that meme that it's like, no, stop, stop. What are you doing? And this episode is a culmination of the last of the this one and the last two. So these three, kind of like a trilogy of the rise of Esme throughout mm -hmm. the series. And they did it in such a slow burn pace that it's so much more effective than if they just introduced, I'm Esme and I'm going to just start controlling everything. Yeah. So what have, what have you thought of Esme's character so far? Because we're going to get to the whole ending of this episode at the end, but like... Just from a character standpoint, what are your thoughts on on her character? Man, I don't. I didn't want her to be bad. I, I, we don't I, know I, I, that yet. I, I mean, it's true that there is a different motive, family motivation, but in terms of like kind of the way the story's played out so far, I didn't want her to be bad because like she got introduced as like a good person, kind of saying, "I'm getting some weird energy from this mutant," and she was spot on. So I thought, you know, I thought she was good. And then like last week when we were talking, you know, you and I kind of thought that. Uh, Oh geez, it was it was like the two the two couple were like they weren't being manipulated and you know you and Michael said no that they were being manipulated oh, by yeah. her and then you showed the the on your computer you showed the uh, the tri the triplets oh yeah and I thought that was oh, great yeah. that it actually played out in and this episode like yeah because as soon as uh, as soon as they named her Esme fans online mm -hmm. went crazy they're like oh my god okay Stepford Cuckoos yeah um, which I read that it is now it is Cuckoos not. Cuckoos, and I, I thought it was cuckoos before. It's just um, <laughs> cuckoo crisp, <laughs> right? So we had a lot of people uh, kind of expecting some sort of play on the whole triplet or quintuplet thing, but again, they didn't give it away because these characters are also—they've been part of the X Men, they've been part of the Hellfire Club, they have such a rich history in different universes that they played with them that there's no way to say, okay, 
they're going to be bad, or okay, they're going to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew, I don't know if you even knew that these characters were coming because you were working till episode seven. Well, there was a lot of prep that I did on the other stuff, and we did know they were coming. Uh, but I think that's uh, back to the the bad versus good thing. I think that's one of the things that the writers strive to do, which is not necessarily make some any character good or bad. Really, like everyone has their own motives mm-hmm. and their own reasons for doing stuff, and you get that's one of the beauty of it being such a character driven show, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can identify with each character in their own goal that they have for themselves. So were you are you comic knowledgeable or animated series knowledgeable? Probably not as much as you guys, but definitely like when I was a kid watched it and everything like that, like, you know. Uh but you definitely grow further into it more the more and more you work on it as well, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so uh, since you've worked you worked on a little bit past the episode 7 stuff, what's it like seeing Seeing it now on screen when you're not when you're like third person away from it now, but like seeing it all come to fruition, how like is that how they imagined it? Is that how you imagined it? Uh, well, it's, I mean, it's not. It's actually not that different from when I was working on it because uh, when you're when you're when you are working on it, you're you're seeing comic references and you're pulling those up. You're you're taking samples from like what other people have done on different shows or different, you know, if that character was filmed, what did they look like? You know, and what we want to take from that and what we think is valuable, right? So I know that with Esme, we were, you know, in the comics, she does have the blue eyes, and we tried to match that as much as we could. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, how can we do that in a cool, unique way? And 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 is is it, does it look brighter? Like, what is happening when she's using her powers, you know, and, and kind of diving into that. And a big thing for us, too, is it's, it's all about... Um, you know, it's a natural gene that's done all this. So we try really hard to make it, even though it's not a natural thing, obviously. We're trying to make it feel as natural, like this is coming from them. So a lot of that is what's part of the discussion we're generating that stuff. Yeah, I, I like how a lot of the, the special effects in the show are, are more subtle than they are, like, over and ridiculously grandiose. Yeah. Like, her eyes again. Like, you keep her pupils. Her whole eyeball doesn't turn bu- blue. It's just like a whirlwind of like a hurricane in her eyeballs, which is kind of cool. Even like Eclipse, like his blood is like that sunlight. But then when he's using his powers, it's just a beam. It's not that he explodes. His whole arms don't mm-hmm. catch fire and it just turns into this craziness. So that's that's really cool that that's like a conscious choice you guys made to make them more human. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, actually like my favorite part about the show. And I feel like that was a goal. I've I've been reading some of how it was written and worked out because it's so character based and it's not like the other superhero X-Men type shows where it's all the effects and what their powers are, what they look like. You're really getting a look into what society is like for these mutants where they're not accepted and then it's all has to be how they choose, like you were saying, how they choose to use their powers or abilities. It's getting a little hot in here, sorry. Hey, man. Oh, by the way, Steven, so... Andrew actually does have an answer for the ADR thing from last uh-huh. week. I let I, I like oh. I sent him the link, I've, and I said, "Hey, if you have a take on this, we'd love to hear." I hope he's not about to say that I was wrong and that was Stephen Moyer. Well, then I won't say it. Oh my god, <laughs> that was, was Stephen Moyer. Yeah, was it really? Why yeah. did it sound so different? You know, I have to be honest. I I watched I watched it on my like I like Hulu and stuff, and I did not sound that that crazy out to me. It was probably just ADR that stood out, but it was Stephen. Yeah. Oh man, now I feel bad. <laughs> Steven's never coming on the show now. Even, even though we share a name, it, it's still not going to happen. Well, so so much for the the existence of Chase, the the eighty. <laughs> there goes your goose egg, man. There goes my yeah. goose egg. Um, Chase is in other places. We don't tell you about that. <laughs> so we are going to talk about kind of go more character by character because this episode was more 
duos of characters having development. Uh, we have Dreamer and Blink, we have Marcos and Polaris, Reed and Kate, Andy and Lauren, Turner and Campbell, and then we have the breakout at the end. Because every storyline culminates in the breakout at the end. So let's start with Dreamer and Blink, which is a moment of silence for this storyline mm-hmm. before I give my crazy prediction. Okay, so Dreamer's <laughs> dead. God. Oh, so my favorite. I'm, I'm, I'm out of respect of the character. I'm not going to call her syrup this episode. Uh, but Dreamer has been shot through the heart, and you're to blame. She gave love a bad name. Oh my goodness! Mm, the past bad. two episodes, Boo. I feel like we can lift Boo. off the syrup name for her. Yeah, she was so awesome last episode. Yeah. She was super. Honestly, this episode she was super awesome, mm-hmm. and you're like. Damn, but here's my crazy theory, is I don't think she's dead. Yeah, I was going to say that. Why? Because every other mutant, like, they die and their powers go away in some way, or they don't even see them using them. She dies, and a cloud of her memories leaves her. And I'm like, everything about her is transferring of memories and transferring of consciousness, which we see that with uh, um, Blink, where she has a very vivid memory of something, and Dreamer just messes with people's heads. Like... Who's to say that cloud of purple gas didn't end up in a guard in the room and she was just playing a character until she could get out? Or, I mean, what, what would be cool, too, is that throughout the series, and we were introduced to Pulse. And we didn't really get to know him as a character, but then we saw his change. So this time around, maybe for the writers for maybe next season, maybe even for the actual finale, you see a character who we've invested some time in, got to know. It looks like they've killed her, and now you can see maybe like her being changed by... Uh, Garrett Dillahunt in terms of her being like one of the baddies. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, too, because do we even know she's dead? Because here's the thing, is Dr. Campbell doesn't seem to be someone to me who would waste a resource. Yep. So we know that she was shot, but shot by what? Was it like a straight-up hollow-round bullet, or was it like, hey, this is a bullet that makes it seem like you're dead, but I'm just going to cart you away and experiment on you? Send me a flesh wound! But as Lauren says, too, like, he he doesn't think of her as a person. Like, he just... Yeah, but they're still assets. And at the end, he got what he needed. You know, after Andy and Lauren completed what he... He said, we have all that we need. Like, for his research. When they did the whole... Like, he wanted... Yeah, there's a bigger purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So, show of hands. Is Dreamer officially dead? Forever? I don't think so. I don't know anything about the show. I'm still going to vote she's dead. I think she's dead. (laughs) I think she might come back. Wanna, because I now we have Esme and two and her sisters. Not that I I would still want Dreamer, but I feel like we're making room. <laughs> Dream, Dreamer Dreamer's too beautiful to be dead. That's what I think. Is the writer's room like that? Oh, we have a new character. Better make some room. Who are we erasing this week? <laughs> well, maybe she can come in the form of dreams. Literally become her name. And she's just like a presence, but not a physical. Hey, hey, form. Jim, I'll be I'll be calling you tomorrow, man, and I'll be asking. <laughs> you. She's like the ghost of Obi Wan of, <laughs> yeah. of X Men. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yes. <laughs> so we do get the scene between Dreamer and Blake in in the jail cell, which really just I should have seen it as foreshadowing, but I didn't see it coming. When Blake is just like, just hang on, John loves you. He'll be there for you. It'll be okay. And I'm thinking like. Yeah, it'll be okay. Like, they're probably going to be fine. They might, like, lose an arm or something, even though that's a special effects budget that they probably don't want to spend. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. And I was not expecting them to end up just straight up capping her in the in the heart. That was really sad. A lot of fans are upset. There was a hashtag bring Dreamer back. There was a lot going on, and people were not happy. Uh, are you guys... If I don't see a burial, then I don't think that she's dead. That's the way I look at it. But here's my question to you, because, like, 
if she's not dead, then it kind of takes away the stakes that we've just raised it to. And then at the end of the episode, they really raise the stakes with how violent and how merciless mutants can be. Do you think mm-hmm. that killing Dreamer opens the door for now nobody's really safe? Like, because I didn't think she was somebody who could die, like, in the first ten episodes. Honestly, I thought we'd be seeing her for a few seasons. X-Men don't die, uh, like, that much, unless they're Phoenix and they come back. Well, there's one thing about the show that I think... I I, I personally love shows where you just don't know if your characters that you love are safe, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that if... If she's dead, that does provide that, like, I, we don't know who's next. We don't know what's going to happen. And I think that that's a really cool storytelling thing as well, right? Like, mm-hmm. we want to know that. And to the, to the, to, to the uh, talking about the ending as well, I mean, we both have we've seen how humans can kill people and how mutants have killed people in one episode, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They, it, I, we, I, watched a, uh, I watched an episode of the 80s X-Men the other day with my buddy Anthony and... Yeah, it's just, like, it's reminiscent of that, where, like, people actually die, like, people are shot with guns, like, things are serious, but you you don't really see that in the current X-Men content as much. Like, mm-hmm. you look at the movies, and it's like, yeah, people die, but it's like they disintegrate. They don't, like, shoot themselves in the head while being controlled by a psychic. That's kind of messed up. Oh, yeah, that was crazy. Um, So Dreamer and Blink... Uh, that's kind of what we see until they're... That's their last scene until they're dragged into the room to be used to interrogate uh, Andy and Lauren. I do want to mention the interrogation scene between Dreamer and Turner, though, where Turner tells her what her powers did to him. So this is just an all-around really rough episode for Dreamer. Yeah. Uh, that was a very powerful scene between the two of them. I'm, th- I'm glad we got that face-to-face mm-hmm. before they ended up getting rid of the character or killing the character. Um, and then Blink's just not having any of it. She's just not going to talk because she's a badass and just all around total badass. Yeah. I liked both scenes for Dreamer because I feel like with Blink, it was really good closure if that is the end of Dreamer because they kind of needed that resolution. And then with Jace, I feel like the more the episodes proceed, minus the second half of this one, Jace is killing me. He is so selfish i mean i get it i do get i mean i don't get it but i understand where he's coming from it's the most horrific thing ever to have your daughter die especially twice but then you shouldn't be in your job i mean you can't do that as in i know shows don't follow law but if you're actually following the law you're really i mean he's already broken every law but you if you're that selfish you know in terms of putting your feelings first you really can't do it It drives me insane well let's actually talk about that because your statement of i know shows don't follow law (laughs) but hey we have two characters that are very struck to the law uh, that's a bad point yeah. what were you going to say Andrew go ahead well I was going to say that he wasn't allowed back at work right Jace after yeah. five yeah. he was told you have to stay and had pulled strings to stay there so no I do appreciate yeah. I do what I do like about the show is more than any other show they do put like the DOJ and the certain laws in terms of mutant how mutant laws are made and how Congress and stuff is running on legislation for that so that is awesome but jace is just killing me it's more me when people try to follow laws they end up getting strokes (laughs) yeah is that what you want yeah is that what you want that's true you just hate the doj no i hated the stroke scene (laughs) it was was way too good we uh that mutant i believe is called stroker Stroker. (laughs) oh jeez not associated just it's not actually called Stroker, just anyone listening. Um, but 
speaking of people who want to follow the laws and are still trying to like hold on to that semblance of faith that some people are still believing that mutants are human citizens, let's go to Reed and Kate. Mm-hmm. Um, so Reed and Kate are in a weird place right now because while the underground is wanting to attack Sentinel Services to get everyone back, to get Andy back, to get Lauren back, to get uh, Dreamer and Blink back, they want to get everyone back. And you have Esme pushing this agenda of doing that. Marcos is of the mind that we have to be careful because he's still with his mind what happened with Pulse when he got taken. Uh, Polaris has a baby in her belly. She's just like, we need to go save them because we don't want them to turn into hounds because you've seen what happens to the hounds and if it happens to them, it can happen to our baby. Um, And then you have Reed and Kate who are just very against attacking them because after Esme has revealed what their security is like, which is like, yeah, you know, there's just like, you know, like miniguns, you know, like just like guards and like lots of, <laughs> lots of robots that'll kill you. Like, you know, this is downplay. Let's go attack. They're not happy because they think that within the crossfire, Andy and Lauren can get killed. So they want to figure out what's another way. And Esme plays on this to manipulate them to make a power move. I really liked how Esme manipulated the entire brotherhood because it's just kind of funny that, nobody has yet they're so open to it they're just so like they're having like these serious meetings in like open air areas with no doors closed no windows drawn like all these like super secretive conversations where Esme can just like kind of roll up and hang out outside the door and be like yo what y'all talking about um so she manipulates Reed and Kate to go talk to Turner uh honestly watching this did you think that they'd be able to sway Turner which way or the other I thought maybe they could because the child-to-parent appeal is very strong and obviously the fuel for both sides of them. And with the wife not knowing, I would have gone straight to the wife and been like, listen, this is what your husband is doing. You need to stop this. So I did think that that in that sense, that would move them, Jace to move them. Did you guys think that? It's 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 a little fifty fifty. It's a little cheesy because like you don't really know. In this case, I mean, this is the this is the story. This is the writing. So appealing to the wife, who of course, like when we were watching it, yeah, she was definitely surprised by some of her husband's an- like by Jason's antics or some of the scenarios that went down. But I don't know. Any, anytime you actually like have someone walk in with a gun into yeah, your house, it's like, uh, yeah, I'll tell you anything that you want to know, and I'll nod. But as soon as you walk out of my house, I mean. Yeah, I mean, with a gun, even though they, they really weren't there to hurt them, but, I mean, just, and hopefully that never happens. I don't ever want someone walking in with me on a gun, but. <laughs> For me, I really like, uh, well, going, with them going, I never thought that anything would come from it when I first watched it. But um, the thing I really like about it is that really there's a turn in the conversation when when Caitlin's like, Reed and Jace are talking and Caitlin's looking at the wife and realizing, oh, she might understand. And then that moment when she's like, when you came into my house with a gun, you know, I was freaked out and the wife like realizing and, and seeing that turn mm. because because I thought they were I thought this was going to be an appeal to Jace and what it ended up being was an appeal to the wife. And like, what are you doing in our child's name? I like I like all that. That, yeah. that plays more to the character. And, and again, goes back to them like Jace isn't a bad guy. It's just he's doing what he thinks is right. Well, they've built this character of Jace Turner so well. Uh, it's really rare to get a character that's against the good guys, quote unquote, but actually you side with him on some of the logic and you side with him on what he's going through because if he used the mutant program before Dreamer took away his daughter's memories and then him having to relive that, 
it would have been too far-fetched because in episode one, he goes to the house with a gun and he's seen as the most, like, understanding of the Sentinel Services agents. So it was it would be too far off track. But with what Dreamer did to him, it made more sense for him to partner with Campbell. And now he's so far in the hole with that, it would take his wife. I think that's the only person that we've ever seen that it would take to make him change his mind about anything. Yeah. So you're right. That is a really cool moment. But I still wonder, like, was this the turn that we've been waiting for with Chase? Or do you think after... Because he's, he's on a knife edge right now. After the end of this episode, which way does he go? And I think it all depends on what the next five minutes of this show are that we haven't seen yet. Does he see them fighting back against Esme and the other cuckoos? Or does he see them just following along with her because she's controlling them? Well, and also in the episode now... Even if also it's it's like one of those things where you think that he's a, gonna maybe make this turn, mm-hmm. and then his whole problem is is that mutants are out of control. Like you can't control mutants. And then Esme comes in here, and she he sees like all of his like team members commit suicide. Yeah. And but, so then it's it's like it's like even if he's gonna turn, also he's like he's like wait no yeah this is why I do this job is because I'm trying to prevent exactly what just happened. But that's the difficulty is does he know. Because right now in his mind, as of the end of this episode, in his mind, this was the plan of the mutants all along. It's not Esme and the underground, it's the underground. But he does know, I think he does. He might have a good understanding of Esme and might not know if she's connected to the underground. I do think that there's questions in terms of what's going to happen next. Where I lose Jace, though, is this... Like, he wants to protect people because he thinks that they're terrorists. But Dr. Campbell is no different. I mean, he is using humans, mutants, as warfare. That is terror. I mean, it's Congress approved, though. The, I thought they shut down Trask, and I thought the whole hound system wasn't approved. That's the thing, is that Jace's justification is that this is Congress approved, that it's a secret... Research facility, but it is Congress approved. And then Reed makes the good point: just because it's legal, does that make it okay? So I do. I mean, I mean that, yeah. the show does such a good job of bringing in real life issues to mm-hmm. discussion like that. This is the political commentary of the show. It was fairly on the on the nose this episode of well, just because Congress says something or just because it's legal, does it make it right? Mm-hmm. And that's the question that the people want you to want you to ask yourself, especially with. I mean, I know this is referencing more of the. Immigration and everything, but this also plays heavily in, like, net neutrality, right? Mm -hmm. Like, is it right? I know that 85% of the country voted against abolishing it, but they're still doing it anyway. And if it ends up abolished anyway, it's still a decision by Congress, but is it right? So, like, it plays with a lot of things here. Like, a lot of things you can attribute to their political commentary Mm -hmm. in the show. But it's not... It's not annoying. A lot oh, of shows yeah. go too far with it. Yeah. I agree. I, that's one of my favorite parts, if not my favorite part, what makes this show different for me, is that they do such a good job of not making it so in-your-face political commentary, not offending people at all, just really sticking to the merit on political commentary, but also focusing on the characters. Well, it's what X-Men's for. It's what the show was... It's basically, like, designed for that. Well, also, if you think about... You're looking at a world where these characters are neither good or bad so those are the perfect characters to give commentary mm-hmm. on that kind of stuff well especially when they're able to be put in these situations so um we were talking about Reed and Kate right mm-hmm. so they do go to the house um that was a very powerful scene the the end is that the wife yeah leaves with that powerful 
uh, statement of what are you doing in our baby's name? And then Reed and Kate go back to the underground where they are confronted <laughs> by... Uh, I don't know the character's name. I don't think we've actually given this character a name yet. Um, oh, yeah. But they're, basically, he's just one of the mutants who was always upset with them in the underground. And he's like, what the hell? And they're like, what the hell? Esme gave us the idea. Why did she tell you guys that we're doing this? Uh, which we can flash back and go into Polaris and um, Marcos. Mm-hmm. So... There's not too much to go on. It kind of seems like we've forgotten about the whole cartel thing for the past two episodes. Uh, yeah, they're bigger, true. They have kind of dropped that, that, dropped that a little bit. There are bigger things to worry about, um, and I think the cartel will come more into play now that we have the main villain on the mutant side, and we have the Sentinel services, and we have Campbell getting what he wanted, whatever that means. It feels like there's... It kind of feels like Campbell's about to go on the, on the side burner for a while, too. Um, I think Campbell is season finale stuff, and I think Esme and the twi- and the triplets are what we're going to be dealing with until the fin- until the very end of the finale. Does that make sense to everybody? Uh-huh. Yep. Because I feel like he's already served his purpose for the season. To start any th- any new storylines with Campbell at this point might be there might not be enough time, right? Is that fair? Yeah, and I think that they left it where he got what he was primarily looking for, especially with the Strucker sibling. So I think you're right. And it can be, and that can be revealed, right? Yeah, kind of at the end to say, okay, season two. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like at the end of season one, possibly a scene with Campbell, his research confirming something that he can disable mutants. In fact, uh, you know, we did see porcelain again in the video at the end of the thing, so we've seen some mutants that we haven't seen for a while. It'd be really interesting to see like him completely taking away the powers of a mutant at the end of the season. And because this is kind of what it's been building up to with the the Strucker research, what happened to Reed, and I I'm also interested in the storyline with Reed because now that we've discovered the gene that can take it away or possibly give it, will Reed be able to re- recreate his mutant powers? And then seeing what power he has. has, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I'm the show has so many directions it can go with, and that's one of the powers because they get from not just killing everybody. We kill Dreamer, but like. They don't just kill characters left and right. Oh, we think we did. Damn it. We think we did. Um, I was surprised Jace wasn't killed, actually, because she did kill everyone. Yeah. And I know, like, I would have been shocked. I know that, but I just, it was, I was like, is this a moment where Jace is going to go? But I was, but it didn't happen. And I'm kind of happy about that. So they might have thought he was. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um,. We did kill the other agent though that was been that's his been partner. there since the beginning. Like episode one, his partner behind him that just wanted to rush into the house. So we killed the guy. We killed the guy who wasn't really agent good Weeks. in any way. Yeah. He didn't have three dimensions. He was just kind of the agent character, right? He was Agent Weeks. Agent yeah. Weeks. Mm-hmm. It, he only survived ten weeks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Poor not guy. Agent years. Not even agent not season. Agent, not, not even agent, agent season. Yeah. Better than agent seconds, which we met ten of in this episode. <laughs> uh... Okay, so Andy and Lauren, let's let's jump to them. Cool scene in the jail cell. Again, we don't forget that Andy decided not to use their powers. They do a commentary on a lot of the things that people are like, that usually they would gloss over. Uh, Andy apologizes for not using his powers in that moment. Lauren says he was right, and she kind of talks about herself a little bit. And then he uses his powers a little bit and gets shocked. Um, and then they're taking to the... Uh, Somebody in our iTunes reviews, which I'll get into in a minute, said the Danger Room. A version of it. Yeah, that's <laughs> a what I was thinking. Danger I, was, room. I was thinking the same thing. Uh, I will give a shout-out to them right now, uh, Serpentina Lynn. We'll do the iTunes reviews in just a minute. Uh, but they're taken to the Danger Room, 
Which we get a, this is our callback to Wolverine, where he says, Yeah, we found a bunch of adamantium in a Canadian research facility. Yeah. British hey. Columbia. British Columbia. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. When do we get Wolverine? Uh, <laughs> I gotta ask though, was it was it ever discussed like whether to bring in some of these characters or was it kind of like just shot down right off the bat that like you have to keep it separate? Those were uh, over my head for sure. Really, those okay. are in the conception phase. So yeah, Got I'm it. sure that they would love to, but you know, I don't know. Did, were you in the phase of cutting scenes at all? Was there anything? Yeah. Was there anything that like? you can talk about in terms of scenes that got cut that would have been kind of cool to see, but they just didn't make it in? Or is that kind of NDA-level stuff? Uh, if my memory was working properly, maybe. But uh, <laughs> I think there's lots of things here and there, but uh, I think most of it is hidden your screen. Really? Yeah, yeah. Cool. That's good to know. So they, they're getting the story across that they meant to in the, in the yeah, first place. Yeah, everything's kind of as intended. Uh, and then and then kind of just making it better and finessing it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So we're we're in the situation where Andy and Lauren are together, but they're in a situation where they can't use these powers that they just figured out about. Because if they do, Campbell gets what he wants. Because you have a bunch of car antennas stuck to a wall, somehow of animantium. Don't know how that works. I thought that maybe it was going to be like Star Wars, the original Star Wars, where the wall was going to come and start closing in on them and those were like spikes. Oh. That's what I that's what I thought. And I was like, "Cool." Yeah. I was like, "Great. Let's like let's see them try to like repel like she can put up the shield and you know and then see what he does." And then I didn't realize that it was like they were just kind of just like weird cameras or like sensors. Antennas. Yeah, yeah antennas. But I, I thought they were spikes and I thought I was going to see the the trash compactor the torture thing. Room. Yeah, but that didn't happen. Or maybe there were lasers or but yeah, didn't I didn't see mean, it. I mean I'm not trying to. I'm not dissing the props department at all. I'm just saying, like, how do you get that stuff through the adamantium? Like, how do you drill holes in the adamantium? And then you get into the conversation of how they build a room out of it, or how they even have. I mean, how they, yeah, how they put it in bones on Wolverine, right? Exactly. I mean, I mean, they melt it, (laughs) yeah, or something. I guess that's just a dumb thing for me to get caught up. Um, What was I going to say? So basically, Campbell wants them to use their powers. They don't want to use their powers because they don't want to give them what they want. The whole time, I'm expecting the room to fill up with water or something to force them to use them because I feel like that's the only situation that they could, like, be forced to. Uh, Until we enter Dreamer and Blink. I know. When that happened, I was like... God, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I actually had to like replay it again. I was like, wait, did I just see what I just saw? Like, I like I literally hit rewind and then hit play again. I'm like, oh, I did see that. So, like, one of the other working titles for this episode is "If you blink, you'll miss it." <laughs> Boo! <laughs> bon Jovi, and now that. Boo! Oh my God! I don't know if we have any X's in that. <laughs> you can use an X instead of a K. If you blinks, you'll miss it. Blinks, yeah, yeah. Blinks, <laughs> I don't know. Blinks, yeah. All lowercase except the X. But um. So, what are your thoughts? Because a lot of people were like, well, what was the point of Blink dying? I mean, not Blink, uh, of Dreamer dying if they're just going to use their powers to save well, Blink. Blink would die, too. Yeah. Yeah. Next. I have a few issues with this scene, mainly because of the Strucker siblings. I just feel like they're very smart, and when they're... They just haven't... This is the second time where I feel like they haven't been as handy or scrappy, so to speak, with their powers. And with that being said, I understand that it's new to them and they're just figuring it out and kind of dealing... But I I feel like there's way more things that they can do. People... The way that their powers are being talked about is it's crazy. Like, they can do a lot of things and all they've done is... I guess it's like a molecular thing. Like, they can move... 
reshape things. So I, I mean, thought they would pull off their collars or something. Well, their collars were deactivated too. Yeah, yeah. their collars were deactivated. They should have pulled them off no, as soon yeah, as they deactivated them. That makes sense. No, that's that's smart. Why didn't they do that? They probably would have just put new ones on, right? But but speaking of as a fan, I don't know anything about the show at this point uh, going forward. But everything that they do is, and they say it all the time, is drawn by emotion. You know, so like to a certain extent, they even said like, "Oh, we it felt good to do that power." Mm-hmm. And so I think it's also like an emotional thing, like you know, not knowing what they can get through, you know, trying to get out probably is part of it too, but it's all of that emotion and that's probably one of the things that Dreamer seeing Dreamer die, sparking that energy and that anger would actually want them, make them want to do it, right? Yeah, they're not like pets where it's just like, hey, sit or shake hands. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, let's put it in perspective here. Like, you look at the you look at the room after they use their powers. Again, really cool scene, by the way, when they just blow stuff up. You start seeing the room that Campbell's in getting messed up too. Like, we look at Wolverine and we're like, this guy is just indestructible. He's amazing, right? If they did that to Wolverine, he'd essentially be dead. They melted adamantium. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think, like, you look at Wolverine, his whole thing is that his skeleton is in, is enforced with adamantium. But what if you do if he, like, turns into, like, a mangled mess of adamantium? How's he going to heal around that? Like, they essentially could kill Wolverine with that power. Like, that's a lot of power. Adamantium's what, uh... Captain America? No, that's vibranium. But vibranium, it's basically... Right. It's basically, they use vibranium because... Rights issues. But, right? Isn't that true? Or has it always been vibranium? I don't know. I was just thinking that Wolverine would probably have to be like tied up against the enemy. Otherwise, he'd sit thrown probably. True, but I'm just saying. Like, yeah. hey, like they they did a, like it's adamant. They used adamantium to show how powerful it was. Uh, Campbell gets his research materials from that. I thought it was like a level of power to to create a grading scale for mutants or something. But it turns out that them activating their powers allowed him to find the genetic sequence. Mm-hmm. That he needed to find out where Omega mutants come from. I'm only using Omega because it's like from the comics, but um, like super powerful, I guess, mm-hmm. is the word that we're looking for. Uh, so he gets what he wants, Dreamer dies, the kids don't get out, and that's just kind of a sucky situation right there. Um, he sends them back to their cell, and now they're in the back, the same situation before, and Dreamer's dead. Uh, do you think they should have held out and just let Blink die? I hear silence. Wow. I didn't know. I've been thinking about this since I watched the episode. It was a big moral dilemma, and I feel like I personally, had I been in this situation, I would not have wanted to see a second friend at this point die in front of me, Um, and I would hope that there was a way to recover whatever they gave the Dr. Campbell, but obviously that's wishful thinking. Plus they're kids. You know, they're not, they're not Thunderbird, they're not Marcos in terms of kind of being able to tolerate certain deaths. I mean, this is like a death that's directly caused because of them, not in some sort of like war fight and you know, deaths happen. Mm-hmm. This is like because because of you, we're going to do this. But you have control or power to not let the next thing happen. So you decide. Yeah, and I think they're becoming fully aware, not only that they kind of made Sentinel services really turn it up like 20 notches once they um, ran away from them. But also that with the doctor now in the Hound program, that it's coming down to them in that way, too. I think it's an interesting dichotomy, too, with them not using their powers to save Ch- to save uh, Turner, and then Turner being the one that turns them over to Campbell, who's using his power to kill them. 
So it's like they refuse to say they refuse to use their power because it would kill Turner, but then Campbell's not refusing to use power to kill them. So it's like on the surface, Jace thinks he's doing something for the greater good, but it's even more shown that like the more he works with Campbell, the worse it is for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a sec. Uh, I do want to talk about iTunes really quick before we move into the big showdown of the episode. Uh, luckily, we have extra time today, which is really nice because usually we'd have to get out of here right now, which is super great. Um, so, guys, one of the big ways you can support the show over the holiday break, give us a little Christmas gift, is to go to iTunes and search The Gifted under the Apple Podcast sections and find the one that has the picture of all four of us acting like we're the people in the picture of The Gifted <laughs> promo picture. It's pretty funny. Um, or at least I think it is. Who knows? Uh, we got a few new reviews. Uh, I do want to give a shout-out to uh, X Nunwired, who... Came back with another review. <laughs> he was the original one who called us Chris Rock, Mayo, and all that kind of stuff. And he said, Mayo's on point last week. Hey, I'm actually, like, not hated anymore. <laughs> he said, you've turned me on to like you, Mayo. LOL. Great podcast as usual. You guys got me excited with the idea of the cuckoos and so happy when it happened. By the way, I want to hear you guys' thoughts on Disney potentially buying Fox. We'll talk about this at the end of the show. X-Men and Fantastic Four. And the future of The Gifted. I said it before that I'm so happy with Mutant Story finally adopted on TV, but is it wrong that I'm willing to... Yes, it is wrong that you're willing to give up the gifted Legion, Deadpool, and all of the rest in exchange for X-Men on the screen with Disney MCU approach. Yeah, that's wrong. Like, you, there's room for both. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, total reboot to fix timelines. You don't need to reboot to fix timelines. You can do tons of stuff. Uh, don't need the X-Men to be in the same universe as the Avengers, just Disney made. Well, yeah, that makes sense, too. You don't need that. And you want the solo movies like Gambit, Nightcrawler, Iceman. Like... You can have both. I want the solo movies with Gambit and all that stuff, too. It doesn't need to get rid of everything else. Come on, non-wired. Like, don't Cage on. I want to keep this show. Uh, Chupacabra's X says, Panels on Target knows their stuff about production of show and classic X-Men trivia. A great companion to the show for fans. Uh, says a great podcast recap for a great show. And then Serpentina Lynn, who I shouted out earlier, Danger Room, the impenetrable room Lauren and Andy were in suspiciously was reminiscent of X-Men's Danger Room. So thank you guys for giving us five stars on iTunes. Keep continuing to go there. Give us five stars, rate, and comment. When we get back, hopefully we've got a few new ratings for the first episode of the season, which we'll be covering on the 7th of January, because the next episode airs on the 1st, uh, New Year's. And, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And January, then there, January 1, 2018. Then we skip another week, yep. and then there is the two-hour finale on the 15th, which we're covering on the 21st. Uh, also, please comment on this video after the stream is over because we can't really reply to all your comments in live chat right now. I guess Michael Young's also out because of a family thing, so he is not in the chat. I'm looking at it, but I don't have time to focus on it too much. But please hit that thumbs up, comment after the video's done. I'll give some shout outs real quick. Kev Witt in the chat's been commenting the whole show. Jen Bledsoe, Black Magic 99, Ursine Comic Geek, uh, da, 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 let me skip ahead, ZSB Lou. Uh, uh, yeah, Good you to know, see Tony Robinson. I'm surprised I haven't seen Ivan Soto in here. Hablito. And there's a few other people. Mr. Ooh. Thanks for joining us live, of course. Mm-hmm. We see you guys every week. Uh, Zay Talk also in the chat. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You guys staying live. We got 50 people in there right now, which That's is great. pretty Thank cool. You. You Thank know, you. We cover the show Shout six out. days afterwards because of scheduling, but like the fact that people are so animate and like what's the word I'm looking for? Hungry for this content, hungry to talk about the gifted just goes to show like how good the show is. Mm-hmm. So especially week after it airs too. make sure you're tweeting hashtag mutants unite, make sure you're tweeting hashtag renew gifted because I think uh, as of now, they still have not decided whether they've renewed renew for a second season or not. Uh, I think no, it is. They should. Yeah, yeah. they definitely it. should. <laughs> we'll talk about the whole Fox thing later in the episode though. Uh, so let's get to Esme's big plan. 
The first scene of the episode is Esme with Senator uh, Senator Montez. Is it Esme or is it one of her sisters? So she's called Stephanie. Yeah. But I think it's Esme. Okay. So in, in this case, so what you, they give hints to it, but you can do some research into the character. They have a hive mind. We talked about it last, yep. last mm-hmm. week. Uh, they have a hive mind where they can communicate with each other without cell phones or anything. And they also get p- more powerful the closer they are together. Um, in this, to me, it feels like their sisters were just captured. It feels like her sisters were both just captured, and that's how they gave her the clue, because it seems like it was a joint effort to catch all three of them at the same time. Because that's why Sentinel Services was right there, right as her sisters were about to, were getting captured too. Uh, and that's why the emotions, as you talked about, the emotions are so strong. Her sister's emotions are really strong at that point, because I don't imagine her always freaking out like that when she's talking to her sisters. It's probably because their powers were, like, overloading as she was, like, trying to escape, and that's why she's blurry. That's why she doesn't know how to, like, actually function, but she manages to escape, which is great. And now the the cut was it cuts to Esme after that, so I'm assuming that Stephanie was Esme. Senator Montez seems like a character we'll be seeing more of as the seasons go on. Um... But yeah, so Esme's whole plan, she finally convinces them that she can mind control one of the guards to let them in. Because they are not aware of the whole thing with the Struckers. They just know the transport's taking the mutants out. Yeah. So everyone's on board to attack the transport, just not through the deadly means that Esme uses. And damn, this was just a really cool scene. I liked all the directing. They directed, like, you would see shots, but you would never see shots of the twins until... or the. Or like her, you know her other two twins until the final like okay that's that's who she's going for. But I like I like just like they're like you know like, you see other people like in the truck and everything, but or the bus or whatever it is or the prison transport. But you don't see them until she actually like breaks them out. Yeah, it was a really crazy scene, and it kind of left it open ended. Where are they going to start controlling all the people that was in the bus? Like, is that going to be their squad, or are they going to join with the underground, or is their allegiance only to themselves, and they'll kind of just dip out of and work with themselves and use them when they need it? That's what I was interested. I'm really interested to see, but maybe next episode, probably. I assume we'd see that. I don't know. We got three hours of this show left, and I think Campbell's role is done this season. No, with her though. No, I know, oh, but yeah. like, so like. There has to be a lot going on with Esme. Mm-hmm. Like, it's either going to be, this is the start of the Esme crew, and by the end of the season, maybe we take her out, or maybe we take out one of the sisters. Um, maybe they go and immediately start attacking Sentinel Services with Dr. Campbell there. Maybe they go release all the hounds, but because all of the hounds are so mentally incapable right now that Esme can control them all really simply... Maybe it's a lot easier to control hounds than it is to control anything else. Uh, she may have even made the hound that was the speedster attack them and blown its cover unintentionally. Now that you think about it, she's like, oh, I, I read something coming out of her mind. She could have set off the hound right then to make it attack. Who knows? Like, there's there's a lot going on. Um, there is the Hellfire Club. We don't know if Esme is yeah. a member of the Hellfire Club, but the way that she treats human life makes me think she would be. Mm-hmm. She doesn't care. Yeah. It's us against them. It's not... And, and we get a great quote from her earlier in the day, which she gives this like smirk when she says it, which is when she's talking to Reed and, uh, and Kate, and she says, human problems need a human solution. And you're like, 
Damn, this bitch is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of like so when she's making the humans kill each other. I'm like, damn, that's so dark. Human problems having a human solution. She's forcing them to be their own solution. To me, that was the exact like we just had him uh, was it Campbell not care about humans, and I feel like this is the exact mutant version of that, mm. right? Like, yeah. I don't care about I don't care about him. Just pop him off. They're just a, a tool for me. Yeah. Good uh, good call on using the special effects budget to blow up a car with a guy taking the pin out of the grenade and yeah, stepping into the crazy. car. Yeah. Oh, it's like a train wreck. You can't just like look away from it. Like, oh yeah. no. You always you're you're always looking at it going like, are they they're not really gonna? Oh, yep, they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about this in the first few episodes of the after show, which was the first time, the first time on screen that you look at mutants, whether they're good or bad as these are just super dangerous things and you can somewhat agree upon needing some control of them is in Logan. When you watch Logan and you see what happens in Vegas with Xavier, you're like, yeah, like that's terrible that thousands, millions of people could just die because a mutant can't control their power. And you, I mean, you kind of see it with Magneto, but that's a one-on-one thing where he's like taking the blood out of a security guard to make the balls and things like that. And then in this show, like, now you see it. You see, like, holy crap. Like, a mutant who can control people can just walk around, just kill anyone they want. They can have them kill each other. Yeah, take the grenade out. Humans have no control over their bodies. They, so this is kind of like a funny thing. Not funny, but, like, it's her revenge on them because Campbell is turning the hounds into anti-mutant things. And now she's turning the humans into anti-human mm-hmm. things. It's like kind of like a poetic revenge on the humans for what Campbell was probably going to do to her sisters. You do see her sisters on the security cameras when uh, Turner shows up to find everyone and tell them to get in the transport that he's taking them back. It shows a screen of like the nine security cameras of the mutants and you see two of the sisters curled up in separate rooms. You see a few other mutants and you see Andy and Lauren. And you see one room that's empty and you're like, oh, Dreamer, dead. Now she is syrup. (laughs) I said I'm not going to say that, so I'm not going to. <laughs> Love her. Um, yeah, ju- I don't I, know. I don't even know like what to say. Like, there's no way to like recap this scene to give it justice. And I feel like we have to find out a little bit more. I because I think she's so smart and manipulative, and has been masterminding this from the beginning when she stepped in. So I kind of want to know why she went about it in the way she did. And I think you have a fair point to say that human problems is, has human solutions. So that's maybe why she had Reed and Kate do that, that aspect of it. But I do want to know why this way, you know, why did, why didn't you just go in and manipulate and get your sisters yourself then? Why the whole thing? I was thinking about this before coming on, but it, it there is a good reason for it. And it is um, similar the the character that you were talking about who can go invisible, a traitor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, like, oh, I can go invisible and, and fake how people see me, but I can't fake the cameras. And we've seen the machines and everything on there. She can control people. She can't control those machines. So getting getting them, getting everything out there, getting, like, the people closer to her. And then also deactivating, like, the collars will, they take control, like, when you act, when you use your powers is when they, they go off, right? So really, I think the sisters probably couldn't even do their hive mind without it going off. So the second that Esme turns it off, I think that that's when they can all connect, become as strong, 
to then start manipulating everything. I think that's when it starts happening. She needs them closer to her. Oh, okay. That's the way I, I watched it, at least. Do you think her sisters got shocked every time she read somebody's mind? I think if they were connected, right? I think that they could tech... I mean, I would assume that they could turn off their and on their hive mind. Okay. But it's probably, like, more comfortable for them to be in that. In that. But once when it's on, they have no choice. They have to be off, so to speak, right? Yeah, so it's kind of like a... Um, I don't know what the what the great what a good analogy here would be. It'd be like, here, let's bring it back to net neutrality. It's like humans without their internet. It's oh. like you're so used to the internet, and then somebody takes away the internet, and like you you got to fight back and get the internet back, right? Mm-hmm. And like you're uncomfortable <laughs> until you do. Make it win. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean it. There, it opens the door for so much. Uh, let's. Let's talk to you for a minute before we get into predictions, because I don't want to. I don't want to lose the chance to talk to you. Uh, what was your experience working on the show? Just like you said, the cast was great. You said everyone was working with. Was it really just a positive like atmosphere the entire time? I mean, it's it's a very busy show. Like it's a lot to do, and uh, and everyone's working like around the clock. And there's so many people working, but pretty pretty much everyone is amazing like i said everyone's a fan fan of the sh- fan of the content fan of it we're always looking for little pieces to put in i mean i remember when we, we had the pilot like the ringtone went off and that was like a big thing we were playing with as a joke and we're like oh this is great let's just put it in <laughs> like well, this will be fun you know like let's see if anyone gets it like stuff like that and it's fun to it's fun to work with those people because those are you know you want to nerd out with your friends and that's what you get to do so yeah <laughs> were there were there any times where you had to be like we want to do this but can we just because of like rights issues or anything because before the merger obviously there's so many different things at play with anything that's dealing with the x-men franchise was there any situations where like you want to do something but you couldn't or has it been kind of fairly open to i mean there's there's a lot of stuff you want to be like marvel's pretty involved they want to make sure that everything is portrayed accurately and like properly in the universe uh and so there's definitely like you know what making sure that everything's playing within the rules, so to speak. Uh, um, And then there's also a lot of, I mean, there are a lot of shows out there with powers, and so you do want to, you know, be true to the character, but how do you portray it in a cool, unique way, you know, is is definitely something that is a constant thought by everyone, for sure. Uh, You probably don't know the answer to this, but I want to ask it anyway. (laughs) Has there ever been talks of having the new Mutants movie coming out be in the same universe as The Gifted? That one, I don't know the answer. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> as soon as I saw the font on the Mutants Unite thing that was on the webpage, it's like almost exactly the same kind of styling as the New Mutants I'll have to font. Check that out. So I was like, oh man, maybe we can get some of that going on. But okay, yeah, I guess that was a little bit off to ask. Uh, Rick, I know that you had some questions because you brought Andrew in here. Uh, well, no, I mean, it was mainly because, you know, because like, like, I know that you've, you know, you've been a part of that and, um, and just, yeah, so, like, you, your hours are just... I, I have a weird job. So my job is kind of to to manage, like, we have editorial staff, VFX, uh, kind of the cross between shooting and composer and all, organizing all that and kind of putting it together. And so there is a lot of, like, everyone has their unique job, and so it's it's also tracking that story and, like, oh, what's important, what's important to that character, how does this work, and, and that kind of stuff. So it's kind of a weird overall, you know, guidance job. Sense. Yeah, no, it totally so, does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause it, you know, cause like as, as I've said, you know, I've got friends that, or at least Jim Compalongo, anyway, that's like the writer of this episode, episode five. Like, I kind of understand his day to day of, you know, going into the writer's room and talking about the ideas and what they can talk about and what they can't. But then you get to see kind of the execution 
yeah. of like the afterwards of like everything they built. So yeah, and we'll have them come down and, and do cuts with them too, and like do the same kind of conversations. So like, how close can we get to this? What can we make it look like? Blah blah blah. Or I mean, so as you were talking about too, I mean, you're like saying you know we like in the ADR process, you're like yeah, she's on the couch and we're trying to re-mimic like that scene. <laughs> yeah, That's pretty scene. cool. Yeah, yeah. That's like just a good story. To get the diaphragm like crunched down, like just scream, and it it totally like it makes it much more realistic and cool. Yeah. We have a great sound team. Uh, I mean, the sound team just on this last episode was doing like the Fenris power, getting to like build all that and create what these things sound like is is a feat unto itself and is really really cool. So well, even with uh, Otto Strucker, mm-hmm. like that was kind of cool because especially we had um, we Raymond, had Raymond, Raymond on the show and he was like explaining to us what mutants were. It was kind of funny because he doesn't watch the show. He's not like he's not as knowledgeable, but he's like they had me just pretend that I'm creating this. <laughs> Ball of nuclear fire, <laughs> and I'm like, that's so cool. Yeah, the first the first cut is a lot of like, it looks like a lot of people miming stuff. Like, mm, you're like, oh, nothing's happening. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's so cool. Uh, I want to get into predictions, but I want to because you don't know anything further than this. Nope. So I'm actually interested, like, on your opinion of what you th- how you think the final three episodes are going to play out. Well, I think I think one thing that the show's done really well of is never like almost every character is still alive in some fashion. Not not speaking of people who've died, but you know, in the storytelling world, like so I, I do think that we're gonna see more Campbell. I think we're gonna see more Esme. I think we're gonna see all those different storylines go together and how those intertwine, right? Like I think that that is part of the fun of the show. So that's I think we're gonna see all those characters. I think that hopefully there's more destruction <laughs> on both ends. But You'd like to see Annie and Laura outside of the danger room. Yes. Well, they are, right? They're on the bus. No, so. but I mean in terms of using their, oh, using oh, their yeah. combined powers. Using like the really powers, yeah. using it. Like, yeah. Can we see yeah. Trask just burn to the ground That's by That's what I powers? was hoping, I'm hoping for. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I, I, I think it would be cool. I also think that they are, one of the things that's nice about the characters is that they always are conscious of what they're doing. So... To, I do agree. I think it'd be cool to see that be used, but I also like that the that the characters are like they're not there yet. They yeah. don't they don't want to, yeah. right? And, and so, but I think a big thing of the show too is having those characters evolve and change their powers and like learning how to util- utilize them. And I wonder what that means for them. Like that's what I want to see is like maybe they destroy one thing, but then do we see them learn some other way to use it or evolve it? You know, kind of cool. Sweet. Do you guys have any predictions right off the bat, real quick? Because gave me a, a wrap out single kind of off that I do hope that they develop the Strucker powers a little bit more because right now we see that they can just destroy something straight up and I would love to see how they can kind of move in a more progressive state where they're able to really control what they're doing and how they're doing it and maybe bring in different elements to it so but I don't really have many predictions because I feel like I never know where the show is going I just sit and watch and be happy I want to see Campbell try to give himself powers. Jace? No, it's turned away. Cam- oh, Campbell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'd like to see him try to give himself powers or just see him badly mangled in the last episode to, to live up to the comics and have him be, like, mostly cyborg, cybernetic. Mm-hmm. To a certain extent, if he's using the mutants already to heal himself, yeah. then maybe he's already been doing that, right? That's true. It's crazy. Um, we've been kind of rambling, so I'm not going to go into my predictions because they're always just way too out there. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I've said a few throughout the show. Plus, we got three more episodes, so it's not a season finale. Uh, but we can go in a little bit of news and gossip. Uh, I got to be really quick because I apparently we hit an hour, so I got I got to start wrapping it up. <laughs> uh, I'm taking up too much of everybody's time. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit and just give a heads up on what this whole thing is. So it's it's a buyout of the Fox property by Disney. So Disney has bought the Fox properties, including X-Men, which directly affects the gifted. Mm-hmm. So they can do a few different things with that. They can continue the properties in their current form. They can take the movies and just scrap all the current castings and everything and just start afresh if they want to, or they can just rewrite, or they can fire directors and hire new directors. With TV... I don't know what they're going to do. Um, the TV part's tricky only because the Murdochs plan on keeping the Fox Broadcasting Channel. But the Fox Broadcasting Channel, as we know it right now, will turn into sports and reality shows less scripted. So like that means that The Gifted is on the bubble on some end if the way that I understand it. However... A show like The Gifted could also go on to like an FX, FXX. Mm-hmm. Like it could get rebranded somewhere on there. But as far as the way that I understand it currently for Fox Broadcasting, the way that they want to turn it into, it's just it's gonna turn into a sports and reality type network. It like scripted stuff will be gone. Yeah, it's difficult to say what'll happen. I think you still need fans to campaign the renew gifted hashtag. Yep. You yeah. still need fans to like make it known that they want the show to get a second season. Because as we've seen with a lot of other series, whether they switch networks or whether they end up on Netflix or whether they end up anywhere, if the fans are behind it, the networks are usually open to buying new shows and making them somewhere. If it makes money for Disney, Disney's going to keep it going. Totally. So if you can make it known that you're a fan of this show, it's one of the best written shows on TV right now, so you should definitely make it known. Um, and the even, fact that Disney owns Marvel. Yeah. So they would have a lot to work with. And mm-hmm. if this show does go to a network like FX, it can get darker, it can get more violent, it can be crazy, it can have a lot more things. Plus, now that it's with, once it's with Marvel, you know, you want to see Wolverine in the show, you want to see these characters in a show. They may be more open to it. Look at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and how that plays into that franchise's movies and things like that. So just... Have an open mind. Don't think that it's over just because of this mer- just because of this buyout. Don't think that it can't get a season two. It definitely can. You guys, the fans, basically are in control of TV. It's all about ratings. And it's all about the fans speaking out. So keep a very loud mouth about this show. We got three more episodes in January. They're probably still going to be looking at the analytics until January. I don't think we'll get a... We probably won't even get notice on a season two until after the show ends. They, and they don't even know what they want to do with like. <laughs> they, yeah, they, even they're like, confused. So <laughs> just make them believe in the property, and you'll see a season two. Uh, it would really suck to end this on, se- on one season because mm-hmm. this is a really mm-hmm. good show. This felt this season episode ten felt like a finale. This could have been a season finale, just like last episode could have been a season finale. And I feel like it's only ramping up from here. So guys, stay with the show. We'll be covering it till the end. Uh, if there's a season two, we'll be covering it. Uh, just make sure you start those campaigns early for hashtag Renew Gifted. We got to get out of here though because I'm getting yelled at in my uh, in my text chat. Uh, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for coming on the show. Yes, yeah, thank you. Uh, I know you said you don't do social media, but people can follow at Gifted TV Writers. That'd to be great. Yeah, keep in touch with the, everyone who's it's, so that's from production staff to the writers. Everyone kind of yeah, we all kind of go through there and we read everything that you guys bring in, and it's really fun to see the fans on there. So sweet. Do. And uh, Rick, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, happy holidays, guys. Happy New Year. You guys can find me at Rick Hong R C K H O N G on all social media. Steph. 
You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at StuffsAbroad. Happy holidays. All right, and you guys can find me on Twitter at Stephen Lemieux, S-T-P-H-N-L-E-M-A-U-X. Uh, if you haven't already, go see The Last Jedi, because I might make a reference to it yes. next episode, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, guys, thank you so much. We'll be back uh, January 7th. Uh, that's a Sunday at 5 p.m. to discuss episode 11, uh, which is going to be our last show before the finale. Guys, have a great holiday season, and we will see you in the new year. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.